Today we're going to be looking at Jesus, who is our great provider. Jesus, our great provider. We're coming out of John chapter 5, where there has, Jesus has revealed who he is, very plainly revealed. He's given witness to whom he is, and he's demonstrated his power and the works that he has done, and they also are descriptive of who he is. And he's also given indictments, really to humanity, very specifically in the text, to the Jews, but to humanity. And the indictments are all related to unbelief. Unbelief. And we've processed these indictments, we've looked at four of them very specifically, and how they relate to our own unbelief. And that's very challenging, and I, I pray that you have been challenged at a very soul and spirit level, and your heart's desire is that we would believe Jesus is the Son of God, that we would believe that He is equal with God, that we would believe that He is the Creator of all things, that we would believe that He is all-powerful, that we would believe His Word. What He says is yes and amen. Period. End of story. And if we would believe and literally step out of the boat, so to speak, and walk on the water with Jesus. Because he said, come. Right? And we wouldn't look at the wind and the waves and begin to sink in unbelief. And so, we come into chapter 6, and Jesus is about to do an unprecedented miracle. And as we look at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men, the reality is it could be anywhere from 15,000 to 20,000 people. It is a very large crowd. And there is certainly been all kinds of suggestions as to the size of the crowd. We know there were 5,000 men. It's very possible that their wives and their children and their families were with them at that time. So... As we look at this portion of scripture, I wonder, have you been in the midst of some difficult circumstances? Are you going through a time of hardship now? Do you have overwhelming needs? Do you have family members that seem to be being buried in the midst of their circumstances and their difficulties and hardships? Are you looking at circumstances that seem impossible? Or maybe family members or someone near and dear to you, maybe a brother or a sister that you know, seemingly in impossible situations. Is that you today? Are you in the midst of that scenario? I want to encourage you today. God knows right where you are. God knows your circumstances. He knows your situation. He hears your cries. He listens intently. I'm so very mindful that God literally leans in 
and listens to his kids. He leans in. He knows. He cares. The scripture tells us in Exodus that he knows our sorrows. <coughs> sorrows. The emotional response to our circumstances of heartache and difficulty. He knows our sorrows. He's been touched. The New Testament tells us in Hebrews. In every scenario that we've been in, he knows. He feels. He's been touched. He's able to help. And the good news is, as we see with the children in the Exodus, that he comes down to deliver his kids out of all of their oppression. I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you thankful for that this morning, that God knows your circumstances and he comes to deliver? And this is a story where God sees need and he meets the need. We'll read the first 15 verses of John chapter 6. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. I like this about Jesus. He wants to take us to high places, and he wants to sit with us in the midst of those high moments. He sits with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. I think it's Mark's gospel that tells us even the grass was green. How nice to know. Springtime, the grass is green. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and, were, and they filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, the prophet who is to come, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. The feeding of the 5,000. There's a couple things that I just see immediately in the text. It says that they were filled. That, that verb there indicates that they were satisfied. It, it has to do with uh, 
literally being full to overflow. Enough. I cannot take in anymore. You know Thanksgiving, right? Kind of like that. They were filled up. And although there was no butter and gravy, I'm sure they were full to the brim. And uh, it says they were without need. They were without need. Jesus saw the need of the people and was moved by the need. In fact, he initiated it. I like that. Jesus knows where you're at and knows our needs, and he is initiating provision for us. And I love the fact that he involves his children in that process. Philip, where should we buy food for all these folks so that they can be satisfied? Philip's response is kind of an interesting response as well. Philip's response is, a year's wages wouldn't be enough so that everybody could just get a morsel. A year's wages. Some would say eight months, but if you know the calendar of the Jews, you know that there are three feasts in which they travel to Jerusalem. And so when you look at the time associated with those feasts and how that works, this really an eight-month amount of wages is not enough. And it's interesting, too, because... And I don't know that we can necessarily put a theological uh, doctrine associated with this, but there is an interesting thing about the number 20 in the scriptures, and the number 20 has some relative relationship to insufficiency. An insufficiency, and so when it's magnified to 200, it's like this is, the insufficiency, is, it's immeasurable of what we're looking at. And I love the fact that God can look at our immeasurable circumstances and the immeasurable impossibility of circumstances only to step in and do something miraculous to meet the needs of his children, to meet the needs of people. So a couple of those observations. Well, today we're going to just we're going to consider Jesus, our great provider. First thing we're going to look at is the circumstances of our in needness are in needness, if that in fact could be a word. Uh, again, by way of reminder, Jesus knows all circumstances. He understands and knows. He's in perfect communion with the Father through the Spirit of God who dwells in him. And the Father is revealing things to Jesus. He says, I only do those things that I have seen with my Father. The Father is revealing all things that He Himself is doing. He's revealing to the Son. And so Jesus is aware. And now, He sits on the throne. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for the saints. He now is in His state of Glory. He's now in that place where being fully man, yes, but now he has laid access to those qualities of God. Not, while, not like while he was here on earth where he had set those qualities aside and did not access those. He now has full access. He is God. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows all things. And he knows the very details 
of your and my circumstances. And I love that. I love that because he is the God who cares. He cares for his kids. He loves us. Is that, just look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves you. How encouraging. He knows what I'm facing. He knows what Monday morning looks like for each of us. He knows. And the beauty is, like verse 6 in our text, he knows what he's going to do already. He already knows what he's going to do. But he's inviting us in the process. He says, ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. He's inviting us in the journey. <laughs> and he'll, by his spirit, reveal to us that which he is going to do. That's the invitation. How amazing. John chapter 16, verse 13, and the spirit, he will tell us things to come. He will not speak on his own authority, but only those things he's heard from the father. Those things he will convey and he will show us. And so he invites us in the process. Thanks be to God. In the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of what you may be going through, have you been talking to the Lord about them? Maybe more importantly, have you been listening to his responses? Right? Sometimes it's pretty easy to download what the situation is. Oftentimes it's more difficult to actually listen to what his response may be. Right? What does that look like for you? Are you listening? Are you spending time in God's word and asking him to reveal to you through the scriptures and through the text a story of the maybe a similar scenario that is going on in the scripture that would bring revelation knowledge to you and maybe even most importantly about you where God wants to do transformation in and through you. Does that make sense? God wants to do that. He loves us. I think it's an invitation of faith. The scripture calls each one of us to walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. The scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Are we believing when God the Spirit reveals to us something in us in relationship to the circumstances around us? Are we believing what he is saying and saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to lay hold of that. And I'm going to walk in that. And I'm going to stand upon that. And I'm going to trust you for the results. Because according to your promise, it is yes and amen. And so standing in that. I suppose if you're anything like me, you have the natural response. You look at the circumstance and you say, um, this is pretty impossible. Right? You might be a little bit like Philip and say, uh, yeah, no. We don't have the resources to do that. No way. Because I think as men and women... We look immediately at our natural abilities to supply and provide, to, so to speak, get out of the mess most likely we got ourselves in. How do I fix this? Any fixers in the house? If you're a fixer, raise your hand and say, man, I'm trying to get this thing worked out. Man, we dive in and we start getting our hands on it. We're turning the cranks and we're, you know, pushing all the buttons and turning knobs, trying to get it to all work. 
Sometimes we've done all of that stuff before we've even communicated or maybe we've downloaded to God, but we just didn't listen and we just get our hands in there. How many times have we done things and then ask, oh God, please bless what we're doing here. Right? Natural response is Philip. He says, God, there's not enough money in the coffers. We can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't. We can't, we can't, we can't. Andrew. I mean, Andrew. I love Andrew. Do you love Andrew? Do you know much about Andrew? Andrew's an amazing guy. It seems like every time that Andrew is brought up in Scripture, he's bringing someone to me to, to introduce him to Jesus. I like that about Andrew. He's like, hey, here's Jesus. Here's, Jesus, here's a little guy right here. He's got a sack with some barley loaves and some fish. Do you imagine what that guy's life was like? That little boy, he grew up. He had had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus took what he had offered, everything he had, and multiplied it and fed a whole lot of folks. I think that little boy's life was probably changed. That'll be one of those stories maybe we get to hear about when we get to heaven. What was, what was the rest of his life like? But Andrew says, what is this in relationship to this crowd? Right? It's kind of like, well, we have something, but it's not going to be enough anyway. And so we, we do that sometimes. Oh, Lord, this is all I got. What is this in the midst of this mountain? And God says, great, great. Because he'll work with what will give him. Amen? Amen. And so our circumstances of in-needness, let's not lean on our natural understanding of things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart? How much of your heart? All, yeah, all your heart. How much? All. Yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding of things. That's looking at the natural ability. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. The invitation of faith. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. So we come to the condition of the insufficiency, really verses 8 and 9. And again, these, uh, they reflect that insufficiency. 200 denarii, 200 days wages is not enough. Five barley loaves, two fish. But what is that compared to this and this idea of insufficiency? But God is able to take our little and multiply it to a lot. Have you discovered how God's economics are working? For God, 90% goes further than 100%. I don't know how that math works. But in God's economy, it works. 90% goes further than 100%. Do the math. Or walk by faith. Right? Because it won't pencil out. You can do it on paper. It doesn't pencil out. But you can walk by faith and watch what God does. And it works. He'll take our little and he'll make it much. Right? You reap what you sow. Keep on casting your bread upon the water. All of those are invitations to believe and to trust God versus what you see. And it's not just in the area of finances. It's in every single area of your life. 
Every area God will take. If you're struggling in your marriage today and you feel like I don't have very much love, God will take the little love you have if you will give it to him and he will magnify it and he will multiply it and he will grow it. Everything, your abilities, He'll take your resources, albeit they may be small. And the response will be, but God. Although my resources are thus and so, although my emotions are thus and so, although my faith is thus and so, I'm going to give it to God. Although, but God. God will take and will work his work in the midst. And so... What is our willingness? Is our willingness to do that? Will we give it to God? Think of the little boy. That was his lunch. That was his meal. That was his food. He forfeited the whole thing. Can you imagine what his mom might have thought? Um, son, I packed that for you. <laughs> right? You go back to grade school. Remember when you used to trade things out of your lunch pail? You open up your Scooby-Doo lunch pail. And you got a little Cheetos in there. And you see that your buddy has, you know, Doritos or something. You're like, I like Doritos better than Cheetos. And you start doing the swap. And then mom's like, yeah, I was trying to give you probably not nutritious food. Now that I've mentioned Cheetos and Doritos. <laughs> maybe, maybe you traded your fruit for the Doritos, right? You know, she's like, ah, don't do that. And this boy, he gave everything. Perhaps you're reminded of Jesus in the temple courts when all of the folks were going forth and they were putting their offerings in the receptacle. And the woman, the widow, put the two mites in. And everybody's observing what's happening. And Jesus says to his disciples, this widow has given more than the rest. For all these have given out of their abundance. She has given out of her need. And she has given everything she has. Given it all. Given it all. Jesus takes our willingness. Is it a, is it, it's fascinating to me that Peter was willing to step out of the boat to walk on water. Put yourself in that scenario. Would you have been saying to Jesus, beckon me to walk out onto the water with you? I mean, some of us don't swim. Bid me come, Lord. He says, come. <coughs> How quickly did Peter get out of the water? Did he, you know, did he do one of these things like, is it going to hold me? Did he go in? What was that like? But there was a willingness to believe. And as a result, he's one of two that have ever walked on water. One of two. What about you? You want to walk on some water with Jesus? I do. I want to believe him. I want to be willing to give him my circumstances, my needs, my heartaches, my difficult scenario. Maybe you have doubts. 
I love that honesty of that man who said, I believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Have you been there before? I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because I think we can say very naturally, I believe. I believe what this book says. I believe it. I believe it. But when the rubber meets the road, that's where all of a sudden it becomes very difficult. I can say to you, I would get out of the boat and walk on water. I'd be like Peter. But I guarantee you, if there was a storm and I was out there and it was dark and I saw someone walking on the water and I was terrified and then he says, it's okay, it's me, Jesus. I don't know if I would have been like, hey, Jesus, bid me come out. I'd probably be like, hurry up, get in. Right? I don't know. Sometimes in the midst of it, it's easy to mentally assent, but it's hard to actually say. Doubts. Be reminded. Be reminded today. Jesus chose you and me. He picked us. That warps my mind. He picked you and me. Listen to what John 15, 16 says. Write that scripture down. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He picked us. He's empowering us. To go and do. To go and be. And he says, whatever you ask, my Father, in my name, he will, or he may, give you. That's, what an invitation to participate, to believe. Believing, you receive. Believing. You receive, believing, we receive, believe, believe, believe. That's why that John chapter 5 stuff and those indictments of unbelief, we have to come face to face with those. Because mentally we can say yes, but in reality, where am I? Oh God, help me with my unbelief. Do you, do you believe that God has appointed you? He picked you? I can look back at my life and I can see how God was trying so hard to get me. And finally, my eyes were open. I was like, oh. And then I look back and I say, well, you were there and you were there and you were there and you were there. And he picked me and he's appointed us. To do the miraculous with him. Praise God. Have you acknowledged your insufficiency to him? Or are you still trying to work your circumstances in the flesh? I mean, at the end of the day, Philip and Nathaniel, or excuse me, Andrew, they they kind of were still looking at the natural and trying to solve the problem in the natural. And even though Jesus' question is, where should we buy 
so that they can eat. I wonder if, I mean, how close to a grocery store were they anyway? It's not like there was a Costco where they could go buy enough bread for 20,000 people maybe. You imagine, I mean, go to Safeway and buy enough bread for 10,000 people, let alone 5,000 people. There's not enough bread in the rack. I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that in the area that they're at. There's not like a store large enough or a market large enough to get enough bread for that size crowd anyway. So was he actually already inviting them into the miraculous and to believe with him? What if Philip's response would have been, well, you know, Jesus, there's not a grocery store in walking distance here that would have enough bread for all of these folks. Why don't you just do something miraculous and make something out of nothing? Jesus might have just gone, yes, let's do this thing. Come on. <laughs> right? But we don't always get there. God, help us to get there. Faith. 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 How about even just being slow to respond? Right? So often we just dive right in. Well, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And it's devoid of just wait. Right? I mean, last week I shared the story where... Jesus literally told the disciples, I, after I'm raised from the dead. But he had already said, tonight you're all going to deny me. And so immediately, mentally, all the disciples are thinking about how they can defend that they're not going to deny Jesus. They miss the dialogue. And then Peter speaks up. He says, all these guys will deny him, but I won't. And Jesus says, oh. Thanks for stepping up to the plate to be the guy who's going to hear the rest of the story. In fact, you won't deny me once like the rest of these cats. Peter, you're going to deny, deny me three times before the night's even over. And then after Jesus had been crucified, we have the story of them all kind of like, oh, we thought he was the one. And then the two on the road to Emmaus and they were just like, blah, 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 about he was the one. You know, and then Jesus was walking with them and he says, they say to him, are you, where are you from that you don't know what's happened in Jerusalem? How is this? They didn't believe what he said after I'm raised. Because they didn't hear it. So sometimes we respond so quickly that we're not even patient enough to hear maybe what God would say and do. Are you tracking with me? Are you, does this, do you identify with this? I mean, God wants to do great things and meet needs in our lives, in the lives of those around us. And he's inviting us. But are we too quick to jump in and try and do it ourselves without him? Well, let's talk about the completeness of his involvement. When we involve him. When we involve him. Because isn't that where we really want to be at all times? If you're here and you want God's involvement in all of your circumstances, in everything you're doing, just raise your hand with me and say, yeah, that's me, come on, yes, that's where we want to be. Remember that Jesus is never surprised or alarmed or disturbed by our circumstances. He's not like, huh? Jesus, come here. He knows. You and I, we will never have a problem that is greater than God's ability to meet. Let that soak in. You will never have a set of circumstances.
too great for God to step in and meet the need. So let's grow our faith in God. Grow our faith in God. Remember he used ordinary people to feed the hungry. He involved Philip. He involved Andrew. He involved a little boy. And he's wanting to use you and me. Ordinary folk. Look at your neighbor and say, you're pretty ordinary. <laughs> Which is encouraging. It actually is very encouraging. Because God is using ordinary folk to accomplish miraculous. It is the pattern of the Lord to see the needs, to know what he's going to do in advance, and to invite us on the journey and participation. So, growing our faith. If we know that's his pattern, we can go to his word and see that that's what he does. And that's what he's always done. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's his pattern. If I see the stories in the Word of God where he sees the need, he comes down to deliver, and he invites people to be a part of the process. I can know that that's how he'll deal with me and help me and love me in my own circumstances. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If I will remind myself of who God is, how he operates, and what his patterns are, I can be assured that's how he'll be with us and me today. Grow our faith. And then we look at the impossible and it still hits. It's there the next day and the next day and the next day. We say everything around me is saying don't trust, but start working and get your hands dirty and do, do, do. And I would simply suggest to you, trust the Lord. Ask, seek, and knock. He will invite you and he may encourage you to engage in some activity. We put our hands to the grind, so to speak, but that's after we've communed with the Lord about these things and watch what God does. Let's let God be God. Can I get an amen? amen. He's a miracle worker, you're not. He's loving, most often we're not. And he'll help us, because it's who he is. It's his character. Jesus turned a little into a lot. I want to invite you to place your little into the hands of the Lord, right? He gave Moses a staff. Moses did a lot of work with the staff. David took a stone and a slingshot in the name of the Lord and took out a giant and advanced the Israelites and brought deliverance. You give God the little and watch what he'll do a lot. I want to invite you also to be awed by God. Let's be awed by God, or of God. It's so epic that he said, gather up that which is remaining. 
12 full baskets full. I wonder sometimes if that wasn't one full basket for each of the disciples who were questioning the ability. He said, yeah, we started off with five small barley loaves. Here's 12 baskets, one for each of you cats to take home and just chew on this for a little while. There's a lot of sufficiency in me. That's who I am. That's who I am. The scripture says, my God shall supply all of our need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And my God may supply, might supply, could supply, or shall supply. He shall. He will. It's his word. It's his promise. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Let's let the word of God come to life in us and let's believe the Son of God who has spoken and shared these truths with us. And let's not forget, like Moses at the burning bush, I started off the sermon with just that illustration. He's seen the oppression of his people. He's heard their cries. He knows their sorrows. And he came down to deliver his people. He sees you. He knows. He hears. And he is here to deliver. Remember Hagar. Hagar. She's miserably treated by Sarah, or Sarai at that time. Later her name was changed to Sarah. Miserably treated. And Sarah cast her out. She's wandering in the wilderness. And it says, And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring. That's a Christophany. Theologically, we say that. That was the pre-incarnate Christ, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. Before his incarnation, he came and he met Hagar. He found her just like he found the man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda. He found her and he gave her hope and he gave her promise. And he said, the Lord has heard you. The Lord has heard you. And he gave direction and promise. The Lord is hearing you. The worship team has come back, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. Let's all stand together. Perhaps you may be the only one in this room that knows what's going on in your circumstances. Maybe others know. Maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's something big. But no matter where you are in this place, if you're up on the landing, from Chris Davey all the way across to Rob and the kids, maybe you're in the bleachers, maybe you're on the floor, no matter what you are going through, the Lord wants to help. He asked the question, hey, Philip, where should we get bread for all these cats? Where do we go buy this stuff for these guys? I think he's saying to us this morning, what shall we do? What's your willingness? Will you step out in faith and come to the altar this morning and say, I'm going to 
I'm going to lean on the Lord. I'm going to give him what I got. And I'm going to step out. And I'm going to put it out there and say, God, here I am. Will you take what I have and help? No one else needs to know. You just talk with the Lord. I don't see anywhere in here where, you know, that information is being disclosed in all those circumstances that we even looked at. God already knows. So I'm, I'm going to make the invitation. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And the invitation is during this song to come forward. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to just pray. So no matter what it may be, just nod your head with you if you understand the question I'm asking. Just no matter what it is, if you got something, and you say, I just want God to be involved in this and I want God to help me with this. Maybe you got lots of stuff. Maybe it's a whole lot of stuff. Maybe it's, maybe it's financial stuff. Maybe it's relational stuff. Maybe it's family stuff. Maybe it's work stuff. Whatever it is. Maybe it's neighbor stuff. Maybe it's school stuff. Wherever it is, this stuff, God wants to be in it. And he's inviting you in the journey with him because he already knows what he wants to do. Amen? Amen. Pastor Dennis, Abigail, lead us in this song. And folks, don't wait. If that's you, just come on up. Just come on up here, and I'll come back in a moment, and we'll pray. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled, as he died for me.
journey us through what you want to do in the midst of the circumstances. God, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. And as prayers are being lifted before you, even now from this altar space and in the house, as people are being prayed for by those who are still yet in the seating area, praying for these that have come forth, or maybe they have a need and they just didn't want to walk forth, but God, you know the heart and you know the circumstances. And so, Lord, we bring all of the needs to you. Lord, no matter what they may be, Lord, if they're relational, God, would you heal and restore? Would you, Father, bring about peace in the name of Jesus? May forgiveness flow. Lord, will you rout out bitterness from the depths of our hearts? We bring, God, our bitter waters to the cross. It's that tree like the waters of Myra, Lord, where the bitter waters are made sweet at the cross, the tree that is cast into the waters. Lord, will you heal and restore relationships, marriages, families in the name of Jesus. Lord, where families may be in the midst of crisis or turmoil, we pray, Lord, that it would not be out of the will of man, but Lord, that hearts would be turned to you and not clouded by the flesh in any way, that God, your purposes would prevail in all things. Lord, will you bring prodigals home where sons have been estranged from dads, where daughters have been estranged from their fathers. Lord, would you bring restoration? If it's with the mom, will you bring restoration in the name of Jesus, that they might come home, that they see their dad and mom girding up their loins, so to speak, running and embracing them, saying, welcome home, welcome home. And they make a feast and celebrate. Our lost boy or our lost girl has come home, they're found. Lord, whatever may be happening, if it's work-related, if it's, Lord, between a boss and an employer, an employee and a boss, or whatever that circumstance, maybe it's an employee and an employee, maybe it's kind of across the room, so to speak. Whatever those circumstances may be, God, would you take and would you transform and do your work? We pray that lost people would come to know Jesus as a result of what they see in us. Help us to walk and live our faith for the glory of God. Lord, if it's financial, whatever that might look like, oh, the troubles that we can create by our own desire for other things and the deceitfulness of riches and, God, the things of this world. Help us, Lord, to bring things into order, to honor you and to trust your word and follow you in biblical finance and watch you, God, take a little and enable us to do much for the kingdom of God, not our own kingdoms, for the kingdom of God. So God, we bring all of the needs, all the needs. If it's a physical need, God, would you bring healings in the name of Jesus? You are able. If it's directional, God, would you guide footsteps, direct paths? Lord, I pray, God, that it's if it's different than what we thought, even up to this very moment, that we would say, thus saith the Lord, and we would just do that. We'd just do that. And so, God, no matter what, we look to you. Jesus, we look to you. You are our great provider. 
You are, as Hagar declared, the God who sees. You are El Roy, El Roy, the God who sees. And you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So Lord, we commit these things to you. And as we, by way of benediction, sing the remainder of this song, God, will you be glorified. And then as Pastor Dennis prays that prayer of benediction, Lord, may we go from this place knowing and trusting and believing you. In Jesus' name, let's sing that together, Pastor Dennis.